Cougar fans, it is time. Touchdown! What a grab! It's time to raise your colors, raise your voice, and join in on the raucous roundtable about your favorite team, the BYU Cougars. 20-15-10-5, It's time to tailgate. Cougar Tailgate, where BYU sports fandom lives. And here's your host, Lauren McClain. What's up, Cougar Nation? I'm Lauren McClain, and we're here to tailgate with you doing what we do best, talking all things BYU Cougars. For today's roundtable discussion, we have rugby national champion and former punter Johnny Linehan. What's up, Johnny? How's it going? Good to have you back. And former Cougar star wide receiver Mitch Matthews. What's up, Mitch? Let's go. Ready. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming on. BYU football has lost three out of the last four games by an average of 31 points. And now 14th-ranked Oklahoma enters Lavelle's house as Cougar fans pray for a miracle. But if there's anyone that knows about miracles, it's Mitch Matthews over here. (laughs) Do you believe in miracles, Mitch? I've been forced to believe, yes. (laughs) I'm now a believer. For the last eight years, I'm a believer. (laughs) Because I think think that's going to take a miracle, you guys, on Saturday for this to happen. We're going to get right into the fan question, which is, if BYU football is sick right now, what's your diagnosis for the team? Jackson Payne on X said, BYU's got a fever, and the only prescription is more Slovis. What do you think about that? Because obviously we've had Jake Ritzlaff for the past two games. Keaton Slovis, I think, is going to be healthy enough to play in this game. Do you like that Slovis is back? Yeah, I, I don't know if the quarterback's the problem. I think yeah. there's lots of problems. I actually really liked watching Jake. I mean, Last game, he had a bad game. I think you'd admit that. The thing that I liked is when he made a mistake, he would go and try to chase it down. So when Mm -hmm. he threw a pick, he would try and go make a play. I actually really like that mindset. Same. I'm pretty indifferent, though, at who's playing quarterback. I think there are other mistakes. I think they can both get the job done. I just think the other position groups need to step up. Yeah. What do you think, Mitch? When your running game is ranked not even top 120, Mm -hmm. your pass game is not going to be beautiful. Then you bring in a quarterback who hasn't been the starter, it doesn't get prettier, right? So he's the quarterback's put in a tough situation coming in as a backup. Uh, the diagnosis for me is nastiness on the O line. The leaders of the team, people think it's the quarterback, people think it's the the best player. The leaders of the team are the O line. They're the hogs. They're the ones that, that, that need to be the nastiest and get the game going on the ground. Once you can run the ball, then you can pass the ball. It goes in that specific order. And so we have a talented O line. We're big enough. It's nastiness, that Grimes nastiness we had a few years ago. That's that nastiness we need at O-line. I don't think uh, anyone's talked about the offensive line (laughs) in years more than they have this year. you got to feel bad for the guys a little bit because when they're doing their job, nobody talks about Mm -hmm. the offensive linemen. And then when they're not, that's all people have been talking about this year. But but I think you're right. Kevin Humphreys on Instagram says, Offensive pneumonia. Rusty on X said, A chronic case of touchdown-itis. Dr. E.W. on X said, cell wall damage, can't block anything going in or coming out. That's kind of what Mitch was saying. Uh, at CDShaw99 on X said, tightness, shortness of breath, and radiating waves of pain. People were really taking this. A bunch diagnosis. of doctors Yeah, out yeah. Here. <laughs> they were really taking it to the next level. All right, Johnny, what would you say is really going wrong with BYU football right now? A lot of it's just belief, mindset. I, I think it's actually – there is a talent issue – I don't buy into the fact that, oh, it's going to take some time. It's our first year in a P5 conference. I don't buy that take at all. I know some fans are trying to be nice. Mm -hmm. Reality is we've had P5 equivalent schedule, maybe a little weaker, week in and week out. 
but we've been able to have those teams on the schedules where we should be able to recruit to a much higher quality than we have. But a lot of it's just belief. I feel like even on the O-line, you look you look at like Caleb. I saw a picture of Caleb Etienne. You see how big he is? If Massive. I was as big as he is, I would look for every opportunity just to push anybody over, whether it was on a football field or right. not. Right. <laughs> you look at Kingsley too. He's got an opportunity to go and make millions yeah. and millions of dollars. I just don't know if they really believe what they're capable of. So I think a lot of it is just that mindset shift. And, and that's why it's going to be a good test this week because nobody believes in them. So I think when nobody believes, that's an opportunity where you can actually do something special. So for me, it all comes down to the top two inches. So Mitch, do you think, because you mentioned the offensive line too, and they are, like Johnny mentioned, they're just, they're beasts. They have the size, they have the talent. You have Kingsley, who's probably, who knows, first, second rounder in, in right. the NFL draft. Why aren't they putting it together right now? To me, it's culture. It's that it's like I said before, it is that nastiness. When the O line are fired up, when they're hitting guys about a half second after the whistle, people take note of that. From receivers to running backs to quarterbacks, people are really moved and motivated by, by that nastiness. If the O line is moving, like the speed of the O line is the speed of the team. I I, I I'm I'm a receiver. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that. And so it's not a talent thing necessarily O-line. It might be in more of the skill positions. But at O-line, I think we have it there. It's, it's, for me, it's truly nastiness. I want to see these coaches put a lot of emphasis on those guys. Your linemen are your most mentally tough guys because they don't get any glory. They don't need that. They just need to be nasty. And they thrive off that. And so when we start uh, becoming who we need to become and playing to the size that we are at O-line, the running backs play better, receivers play better, because you don't just load the box and crush them from inside the box. And so we're getting beat off an eight-man defense right now, and it all starts with this O-line becoming a little bit nastier. I feel like we have the size, but everything moves when they move. Yeah. Do you think there's something, too, that a lot of these guys are have come in from the transfer portal as well? Even though you had all spring ball, you had all fall camp to be able to mesh, but it's not like these guys have played each other with each other for years and years, does that have an impact that they're all coming from different schools and just playing with each other this year? Uh, I don't know if I buy into that. Yeah. I mean, maybe it does, but... Every school is going through that, though. Yeah, yeah it's true. Every, everyone's going through it, and, and also it's like, take... There, there are some games, maybe I know more than others because I was a punter, there are some games we lost, but I played well, and I'd be like, I feel good about that. <laughs> or there are some games we would win and I'd play bad personally yeah. and I wouldn't be able to celebrate that win. And I do feel like every position has that sort of battle. Like as a lineman per se, if you're going up against your your man and you're just owning that line of scrimmage and the end result is a loss, you can actually still take pride in that. So collectively as a group, they need to step up. But individually, I think it starts with them saying, hey, I'm going to own my 111th. I'm going to own my block yeah. every time. And I think if they can do that, then they can still feel pride. And Mitch, you mentioned the nastiness and that it starts with culture. And you mentioned the coaches as well. But with each position group, is there a leader, like a player leader on that group that kind of steps up and tries to motivate the, the the group of guys. Yeah. Is that a thing too? Every position group has their leader, has their alpha that needs to be getting the team going. If you're losing every game by 31 points, that's not a scheme. Yeah. It's not a scheme. Right. Because you can score from the most simple plays, right? Yeah. It's not just creativity. It's not just trick plays to get you there. Right. It's the alpha in the room uh, getting the team to – or getting their group to perform out of body, right? Yeah. And so – it does start with the O-line, but even at receiver, it, there's a couple big plays that we're missing every single game that hurts the quarterback. The quarterback's already new, and so whoever the leader is in the room, 
it's not just the coach that should be harping on players because that happens every single day. Right. It's the leader within the room that has the coach's back, steps up, and plays out of body himself. And whether that's blocking for receiver, whether it's a running back and pass protection, those extra half seconds after the whistle, don't get any flags. But that extra <laughs> effort is, is what really gets people to play above their actual natural ability. And mm-hmm. so it does take a leader within each position group to play a little nastier. Six points is not scheme. Six points is a confidence thing. Right. And BYU started several games with turnovers and that is just deflating. You can't have that. I'm I'm also not a fan of playing it safe either just to take care of the ball, and especially at this point. You can't play it safe because what, what are you fighting for at this point? But the turnovers have been careless, and they're not even close. Like, the, they're just they're – just, it's just insane to watch. I, I feel like I'm watching, uh, like, the Bad News Bears. <laughs> oh, some, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. It really we're, is. We're that age, yeah. We're, yeah, we all know the Bad News <laughs> yeah, Bears yeah. are, right? But it's just like – Oh, of course that's happening. Of course you just threw a pick and then you fumbled on the next play. It's You laugh to keep from weeping, right? Yeah. But you're like, oh my gosh, you can't have that. Yeah. And that's in, in something that's frustrating for me is the defense has been stellar, you know, through the first few games. And then these last three games, they've really been deflating. So do you guys think that maybe has something to do with, hey, we were working our butts off. We're doing so well, but it's still not, it's not, not turning into a win. Do you think that can be deflating to the defense? Yeah, I think it's a tango. I think when the defense is playing really good, it's super motivating to the offense to have your homies back. The guys you've been battling with the whole offseason, the last few years, you want to play better when they play better. So it it, it does take two to tango. Um, But I think people have to remember, we're five and five. Am I accurate there? We're five and five. And and the season is definitely not over. If we continue to play like we are um, and and act like we're just preparing for next year, that causes a culture that's going to carry into next season as well. And so it, it, it's also okay to admit that some of the teams you've played are flat out better too. Yeah. They're flat out better. Not every loss is like, oh my gosh, we have to rewrite the whole playbook. We, right. We, something must be wrong. Right. There's, there's every, every good team at BYU has had a bad loss to a team that's just better than them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that defense has to believe in offense. Offense has to believe in the defense. And right now it comes to a few big time voices in the locker room regaining people's confidence because naturally right now for three bad games it's low it takes internal leadership and we can easily that's a switch by the way you can come back next game and play lights out as if schemes have been fixed as if the coaches fixed everything really it was just a couple players that stepped up and made the team remember who they are and remember remember why they're out there so you think that is something that's possible to do 100% possible from, from one week to the next 100% possible and have you seen that happen in your career yeah I, I think it, it it happens after uh, I mean, look, naturally, uh, when, when you're not playing as well and you're one of the better guys, you, you don't go farther down. Yeah. You typically say, how can I go make a play to get myself back to where I believe I already am? And I'll give you an example of my first game against Nebraska. People don't know this, but I did not play good the entire game. And that <laughs> motivated me to go make a play, make an out-of-body play that would allow the chance to have a team to win. And so... Um, I do think three bad games doesn't always turn into four. I think a lot of times players get fed up. The, the, the alphas in the room get fed up and say, this stops today and we're going to show it in practice. And then they have all the momentum going into the game starting from Monday, which we hope they did. Um, and, and I know that switch can happen because confidence can come a lot quicker. And uh, just honestly being a little bit ticked off. Yeah. That can happen. They didn't practice on Monday, so hopefully it started on Tuesday. Yeah, there you go. What Maybe do you think, Johnny? Yeah, no, echo everything Mitch just said. I think the beauty of, and I'm still going to call it amateur athletics, even with the NIL, is that 
you have pride in something greater than the paycheck because you're typically not getting paid. Now, NIL has changed it, but playing rugby growing up, like you would take pride, even if you were winning by 100 points, you would take pride knowing, hey, if we're on defense, we're not letting them get past the 22 or inside our try zone. We are keeping that zero on the board if you're up by that score. And I, I think the same thing has to happen when people look around and they look at 60,000 fans there at the start of the game, not the end of the game last yeah. week. <laughs> and they, they look around, they see, hey, there's these crazy people that care about BYU. I'm privileged and blessed to play for this school. Do I actually take pride in the uniform that I'm representing or am I doing it for something else? And I think that switch, if they can get that to be like, I'm actually playing for something greater than myself – that needs to happen. Right now, I don't think it's there. I think people are just playing for themselves. Mm. And so they need to realize the institution they're playing for, what they put on the field doesn't necessarily impact just this week or this season. It could impact future teams and future generations and BYU supporters. Mm. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. Right now, we're going to play a game called What Are the Chances? All right, guys, number Ooh. one. BYU's defense can hold Oklahoma to 24 points or less. And by the way, the Sooners have been held to 24 points or less twice this season. They're averaging 42 points per game. So can BYU's defense hold Oklahoma to 24 points or less? What are the chances, Mitch? Like a percentage Yeah, give us a percentage. 10%. Not because our defense Mm -hmm. isn't awesome, but a lot of these games, it's, it's a 42 to 35 W, you know? Yeah. And so even if they score more than that, statistically you're supposed to lose if, if teams score more than 24. That's, that's a fact. And uh, uh, But teams like this, we change our game plan to um, sort of not give cushion to scoring, but understanding this team scores, and we have yeah. to replicate and score right back. Yeah. What do you think? How many decimal places are we going? Because I'm going to be zero point. I don't want to. I don't want to go. I don't want to go absolute. No, like one one percent. But I also don't know if the game plan is to limit their scoring. Right. I think the game plan is to let's see if we can get some turnovers, but let's match their scoring, and then when we do get turnovers, let's take advantage. I, I think we should go into the game expecting a shootout. I'm actually excited because we will be playing like we have nothing to lose, so mm-hmm. we will start to see us hopefully air the ball out a little bit more, and it's going to be high risk, high reward. But I don't think the game plan should be or even is stopping them to 24 because I don't know if that's possible with how Oklahoma's playing right now. Well, now I feel silly because I went with 50%. Let's go. We like the belief, though. See? The the team needs you in the locker room. They really do. (laughs) You have a 50-50 chance to win today. We need that speech. Don't ask me who says that. It's just me. Um, I, I just feel like I love what the defense has been doing. Uh, Cincinnati held Oklahoma to 20 points. That was earlier in the in the season, and mm. they really have been doing phenomenal things since then. I just, I, 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 I do. I just, as much as I hate it, I hold on to this belief that I loved the defense that we saw against Texas. Texas is arguably a better team than Oklahoma is, and the defense played lights out against Texas. So if they can can kind of channel that against Oklahoma, I think they can maybe hold them to 24 or less. Okay, number two, if Keaton Slovis is back, what are the chances BOU can have over 300 total yards of offense, which is what they're currently averaging right now? Mitch? Um, I think if he comes back and, and plays, the coaches know it's a confidence boost for him. We need to get him a confidence boost. Yeah. We've got to add in a lot of creativity. we got to put every – everything in place for him to succeed. And it's a, it's a great team that we have to beat. We absolutely have to beat, especially for morale. Um, I, I think I'm going, uh, I'm going 70% chance. Ooh. I think he comes back with a little bit of vengeance and the coaches know that he needs that boost and it's got to happen. And so all the creativity, we're playing at home. I think he's got a shot to do it. 
I like that. What do you think? So I actually think 70% too. And, hey. and, and here, here's the reason, right? I want to put this out there. We're going to have a good game offensively, 350 plus. I don't think we win. But I do think we have a good game offensively. And I think what you'll see is people on Twitter being like, see, you guys believe in the coaches. And I'm saying, no, like, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> I still think we have some glaring issues. But I do think we put it together uh, offensively this week. I like the I like the point that Keaton's going to come in with extra confidence because can you imagine how he's feeling with Jake? Everyone's like, put it, Jake. And, you know, I mean, yeah. I just can't even imagine. You guys were former players, and I'm sure you, you heard that here and there, like, put in the next guy. That's got to be so deflating. Yeah, when and you hear Taysom Hill get booed, you know oh, yeah, not to trust. On. You yeah, know not to trust any true. noises that come from the stands. You know, <laughs> so true. So, yeah, no, we've heard it all. No, they all feel stupid. But yeah, I, I think that's got to feel really nice for Keaton to be like, okay, like it, it, it wasn't all on me because I'm sure that starts to get in your head a little bit too. It's like, never on one player. No, right. no quarterback comes in and just everything's fixed. It doesn't happen like that. So if you if you ever thought that, if any fan anyone thinks that's how it works, it's yeah, uh, we need to talk. Yeah, I'm going to say 40% chance. I think fans are realizing Keating wasn't the culprit of all the offensive woes. If the offense has all of their weapons back and healthy, and I think they could put together some successful drives and move the ball, I think Darius Lasseter is going to be back as yeah. well from injury. And and so that I think that's – and LJ Martin, I think that's most of their offensive weapons. they got to put something together this Dude, Can you feel as a, as a bystander, as a fan – when those receivers make big plays, one-handed catches aren't always going to happen, but when they make big plays, it's such a game-changer. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, everything starts the O-line, but where's the excitement come from? Receivers making big plays, quarterbacks diving for first downs, those little, little things, they go such a long way. And the, the games that we're winning, Arkansas, Texas Tech, who, by, by the way, are very good teams, yeah. receivers are making big plays. And so yeah. these, it, it's time for these receivers, everything they've been dreaming about is this week. Yeah. Making plays against a big former top ten team, top twenty team, it's a it's a time to shine. Yeah, well, that's the beauty of football, right? Is you can have a big play that means something that doesn't result in a score. You think of mm-hmm. soccer, people get crazy like Mbappe is running eighty yards and he's done it in four <laughs> seconds, but then they miss the goal. But in football, it really is a momentum game. Yeah. And so if you can string together a big play mm-hmm. and then a big run and then a big stop on defense, the momentum builds. And the next one is, what are the chances BYU can pull off a miraculous upset like they did against the Sooners in 2009? That was my freshman year. I was 18, true freshman year. What an amazing game. And by the way, I, when I was in well, on the Minnesota Vikings, I remember being in a hot tub with Sam Bradford talking about that game <laughs> uh, and him rolling his eyes. Um, look, I don't think the magnitude's the same. It's not the first game of the year. I think Oklahoma's ranked second then. Yeah. It's a little bit different. It's a home game for us, which, by the way, gives us a massive advantage. So I, I like our odds. Uh, I like our odds this week. I think we come back angry. I hope our leadership's stepping up. One thing I saw this week um, from a very stoic guy, but Bill Belichick, he did a whole film session. This is a few years ago about nothing during the play. It was all about how their, his players were acting after the play. When guys made a big play, were there chest bumps? Were there butt slaps? Were there high fives? Were guys jumping all over each other? He'd pan to the sideline. And he showed when a guy gets a first down, every person on the sideline better be going crazy. Yeah. That energy is so freaking real. And so if we're playing just to get by and just not to get beat bad, like we have the last three games, we're going to lose. If guys can have that switch and understand that energy is everything, then we have a real shot to beat these guys. I mean, a real, real shot. Not just schematically, not just because it's at home, not just because I feel like we have a talented enough team to do it. We need to be going crazy on the sideline. Over the top, crazy. When guys get first downs, 
crazy. I want to see a couple celebration flags in that end zone after we score because that goes a long freaking yeah. way, especially against these big teams. Can you go crazy at 10 a.m.? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Is that I, yeah, yeah. A little caffeine. And yeah. I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I think we'll be all right. Wait, yeah. I got to know. What did you say to Sam Bradford in the hot tub? Because I, I, that's I, a great story. I mean, it's the only thing I had on him, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I was a new guy in the locker room. And so if I had that on him, but I also had to be kind of careful because I'm a receiver. And if I give him too much flack, then he might not throw me the ball. So I, I played it very careful on that one. <laughs> But he was a very cool guy, and we ended up being good buddies. That's awesome. Yeah. Johnny, you already mentioned that you do not think BYU is going to win, but what are the chances? At 10 a.m.? Are we out of bed? Has the bus arrived? <laughs> oh, I man. sure hope so. Well, 2%. Okay. Wow. <laughs> no confidence. By the way, I will say traveling a different time zone, like they'll have to, I believe, right? Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Traveling a different time zone and playing an early game, the worst game we ever played in our career was against Michigan. Michigan. We went against across Bad. two time zones. The odds, by the way, are never good across two time zones. And it was like an 11 game. And we, we, we got to our hotel after that fireside at like midnight. And we woke up so ticked off of the coaches because we were so groggy. We played terrible. They were freaking good. We played terrible. So I'm hoping altitude, <laughs> elements, time change, early game is – is giving us this uh, increase in odds. Yeah, yeah. I think, you need uh, everything. <laughs> I think BYU TV gave me the player of the game against Michigan. So speak for yourself, man. <laughs> Some of us played great. <laughs> Worst game of my career was that game. Oh. I didn't even punt well, but I punted 11 times. You I punted think. a lot. So they were like, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I think we had one first yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Got to give it to someone. The, the Y factor, TV. I believe, oh, is what gosh. they call it. Uh, I'm giving it a 20% chance. In 2009, it was the first game of the season. They had nothing to lose. You have Max Hall at the helm, who mo- has one of the most gritty mentalities Love Max. Of, of any player I've ever seen. He made things happen. Even if it's it's not pretty, he makes things happen. And I think he had that mentality you're talking about, Mitch, where he's kind of that alpha guy, right? He's the leader, and he— He's nasty. He's nasty. You, you loved playing for Max. Yeah. Even at the alumni game. I'm like, I want Max on my team. Yeah. <laughs> he brings out the best in me. Yeah, so you got to play like there's nothing to lose. You got to play like that, and a, and if you do, there, you're telling me there's a chance. A ten per, right, a ten percent increase in excitement, uh, that nastiness I've been talking about. A ten percent increase. Now you just act, fake it till you make it. Be yeah. over the top stoked this week about playing ball, and the receivers love to play and get the attention. If they know people are going crazy for them, it just makes it better. So <laughs> that's just what we do, and and that's that needs to happen this week. Okay, the last one is, what are the chances BYU gets bowl eligible in one of these last two games? Let's start with Johnny. Oh, it went because up this let's, last let's week. Because let's go, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, let's go back a few weeks. You said your hot take was BYU was not going to get bowl eligible. What do you think now? Yeah, and that was before Texas Tech. So it was, it was good they beat Texas Tech. So that increased the odds in my statistical model. The way Oklahoma <laughs> State was playing made it tough, but they also got beat pretty bad this last week. Yeah. So. Still probably 5%. I just don't know. When's I last, just, but they also beat year? Oklahoma. 5% you're still t- – Yeah, I just – So I, that means yeah. you have an average of 5% win percentage per game in the next two games. Well, yeah, I just don't think – yeah, I just don't think they're going to get it done. Because yeah. this week would be a good chance at home, but it's Oklahoma, 10 a.m. I just don't know. Maybe we play the upset, but then you play at Oklahoma State. Yeah. To end the season, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm. What's I'm, their record, Oklahoma State, right now? I don't know what they are. Are they what? Are they bowl? Are they bowl yeah, ready already? They've already hit it. Seven mm-hmm. and three, maybe. They're seven and That's three. That's a good team, man. Yeah. They're so a good we're, team. So we're going to play like it, it's it's life and death for us, and they don't have something they're playing life and death for. So that's a, that's that's a big boost for us. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think we have 
30, 40% chance to get a ball game. When's the last time BYU did not make it to a ball game? 2017. Johnny would know. What was the record? 4 and 9. We had an extra game with Hawaii. That was funny. When we went to Hawaii, it's a regular season game. Fans on Twitter were like, they shouldn't go to Hawaii. Cancel the game. Don't reward <laughs> they them. Don't deserve it. <laughs> I was like, you might be right, but it's on the schedule. Yeah, so we're yeah, going. Yeah. Got the oh flight first. So, what is that? One time in the last 15 years? One time in the last, yeah, forever. And that that's. The real identity is BYU has to get the bowl games. We were five and two earlier this season, getting votes in the top twenty-five. How the mighty have fallen. This could be a testimony building experience if we make a bowl game. A testimony building. Oh my gosh! People were saying though, is BYU the worst five and two team in the country? I feel like that's been the rhetoric though. Yeah. The entire season. So it's easy to say now. Yeah. yeah. After these last three games, it's right. very easy to say right, right. now. All yeah. right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to discuss how BYU's trajectory could affect recruiting and what Mitch and Johnny will do for an upset against Oklahoma. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean with former players Mitch Matthews and Johnny Linehan. I want to have this, this discussion because I think it's important. So former BYU defensive back Austin McChesney said on X, I don't think people understand the severity of what has happened the last few games. These type of losses affect recruiting, and we were already behind the eight ball. So, you guys, if you were being recruited right now, how would this shape your opinion of BYU? Johnny. Oh, man, it's rough, I believe, with Austin, and I owe him a text message. Uh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'll get back to you. Uh, no, I believe – oh, man, last week I stayed to the end of the game, not to virtue signal or anything, but just because I only get six opportunities a year. Yeah. So I was like, I got nothing else to do. Kids are asleep. So is the wife. So stay at the game. But the third and fourth quarter, you know, they bring out Cosmo and they do that. That yeah. was so dead. And they bring out the fire dancers. We should have called an audible as a marketing <laughs> team and just said, no, let's not do it because it's embarrassing because mm. there's like 15 people there. And mm. Iowa State fans are going crazy. So it definitely impacts recruiting. I, I really do think it does. People go to that and then say you're up against BYU or Utah, heaven forbid, right? And right. you go there and they're selling out stadiums and they're rowdy. They're having competitive games. They're ranked. It'd be tough unless you're a BYU like loyalist, right? Yeah. Loyalist, loyalist. Yeah, making Both. making up words because that's yeah. how passionate if, if I am. If those are your only recruits, <laughs> the perma forever BYU fans, you'll never be great. Right. It takes yeah. a lot more than yeah. that. Right. Yeah. So, what do you think, Mitch? It, it, yeah. If I think back to my recruiting days, it 100% affects recruiting. I think about uh, my commitment to BYU, and I didn't have a ton of offers, but my commitment to BYU was this team is top 15. You got Max Hall, you got Austin Collar, Dennis Pitta. I'm going to go be one of those guys and be just as good as those guys. Our teams are going to be just as good. And I, I grew up in Oregon, and Oregon was always super, super good. But I remember my junior year, BYU beat Oregon in a bowl game. And so I was able to flex, yeah, I'm going to BYU. To all my yeah. friends, are people doing that now? You can't even do that inside the state of Utah. Right. Because Utah's so good, right? So will it affect recruiting? Absolutely. But I, I know the coaches, they're not supposed to think ahead, but they already are thinking ahead. It's going to be the hardest they've ever worked ever. They were already going to bump up their recruiting efforts to get bigger horsemen down in the O-line, to get bigger people because they're playing in a bigger conference. But now more than ever, it's going to be every second they can recruit, they're going to be recruiting. Okay, but so now how do you present BYU – in the midst of this 
season right now that's happening in these these three horrible losses in a row. How do you present BYU in a way that will appeal to recruits? Luckily, a lot of the guys that are uh, watching the games now they might not be the happiest with how their team's doing, but they're already committed, right? They've already they've already uh, they're already committed. They're not signed yet till February, but they're already pretty much all in. And if I was a recruit, if I'm putting myself in their shoes right now. I'm already committed. I'm already in, probably, unless I'm a you know five-star guy waiting for the last second. Um, it could be my chance to say, you know what? If these aren't guys aren't going to get it done, I'm going to go in as a true freshman and get it done for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, I remember uh, my own coaches recruiting against me as a player at BYU, telling guys like, "Hey, Mitch has gotten hurt the last couple of years. You need to come here and you're going to start right away." And guys, you know, we're getting recruits to decommit from. Uh, Oregon and USC to come to BYU because there was just spots to be filled. Does yeah. that make sense? And yeah. so recruiting can still happen. BYU is still a great program. BYU still offers so much. Uh, the only thing that I would say would make it harder besides these last few bad losses, which doesn't make everything horrible, is this NIL thing. Yeah. You know, uh, if Utah's giving out free F-150s, what's BYU doing? And BYU, BYU will never, <laughs> thank you, BYU will never match that type of, that'll never be BYU's MO, but should there be a collective of, of more donors uh, getting creative and entrepreneurs here in Utah getting creative on how to impact BOU on the NIL, NIL side? Even Nick Saban at Alabama talks about how uh, recruiting will change uh, forever. I mean, Texas A&M was the number one recruiting class, I believe, last year. They're not the number one best team, yeah. but they got the most creative. Yeah. And Alabama wasn't the number one like they usually are, even though they're the best. They still got great guys, but things are going to change. And so what's BYU, Tom Homo, what are, what are they going to do to rally the community, to bring in donations, to have funds for some NIL to get creative, and then let our coaches just be coaches and not business people and yeah. go sit down with, with a player's mom and dad and really get them to come. Agreed. What a weird NIL world. Well, Alabama and right Co. Now. have been yeah. doing it for years. <laughs> that's true. It's now not, everyone can do it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's my this what is it is. Nothing. Yeah, what do you think? How would you present BYU to recruits right now? Yeah, I think it's just the opportunity to go and get exposure and be one of the guys from day one. I yeah. think that's probably the biggest thing. Other places you're going to go, and you might have a really good high school career, but you need to grow. But as an 18-year-old true freshman, if you're good enough, you could actually come and start day one, BYU, get that exposure. That could take you to the next level faster and give you more exposure and help you earn more money and get a higher draft pick in the long yeah. run by coming to BYU. But they're going to have to get creative because it is pay-to-play now, so yeah. it's just tricky. To add on to that, have we ever had a better NFL showing from right. BYU ever? Right. I mean, we have we have guys yeah, that are legitimately the bona fide yeah. best linebacker in the NFL, one of the best defensive players in the NFL, Fred Warner. Right? right, he came here and played over over schools like USC. You have Taysom Hill over big schools like Stanford. You have uh, Puka, Puka Nakua. Nakua comes in as a fifth round draft pick. Like we're we're getting guys to go in the NFL and not just not just make a roster, but just be pretty dang good. Well, you have awesome. Tyler Algier who came in as a walk on. I mean, yeah, exactly. Nobody really recruited, and now he's one of the best and running was, backs in the in the league. When BYU was better uh, in terms of record, we actually had a lot less draft picks. And I know we were playing in a different conference in Mountain West. It didn't give you the stock you needed. But Utah always had that on us. We're getting guys drafted. We might not be beating BYU every year, but we're getting guys drafted. Yeah. Um, but BYU has had an amazing showing yeah. lately. And so that's a huge thing to know that Kalani can produce NFL guys is a big, a big deal. Yeah, I love that. Okay, we're quickly going to do, what would you do for a win against Oklahoma? The only other time BYU has been higher than a 20-point underdog at home was against the 2004 USC Trojans with Matt Lanehart and Reggie Bush. 
So that, just for context, there you go. So Johnny here, when BYUB Arkansas had to run the Y with a weighted vest three times, and he did it. So Whoa. now, let's start with you Mitch. You should have called me. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Mitch, what would you do for a win against Oklahoma? When we beat Oklahoma, <laughs> I'm going to fully commit to, and I'll commit right now. Okay. The calendar club. For every day of the month that it is, you run that many miles. Oh, I thought so. March first. My brain went. He was going to create a calendar and sell it. Okay, sorry. I could do that too. Okay, wow. in the stash. So that is Side a note. real possibility. Calendar club. Okay. March first, I'll run one mile. March second, two miles. March third, three miles. Wow. For every day that it is, I run that many miles. So by the end, last ten days will be grueling, but I'm willing to do it for a cougar dub. Dang, that's crazy. I would not do that, Johnny. You heard I'm, that? I might just piggyback <laughs> off of that. And Johnny, let's, let's hey, go. Piggy. Because I, I was thinking something, we should just cut it out. But I'm a big David Goggins fan, so that's some of the mindset, go. right? So I was thinking about doing it. something called the 4x4x48. Four by four by so it's run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. I love so that. I don't know what the math Sleep is Sleep deprivation yeah. challenge. I'm yeah, with that. so what's 4 times 12? 48 miles in, in two days. So not running like if we do that, we have to choose a 30-day month or a 28-day March month. is 31. That's why <laughs> Wait it was March. Wait till February. February, but it is leap year, though, so we still got 29. <laughs> got 29, yeah. Be careful what's <laughs> okay. you, what you commit to. That, that's true. But, yeah, so that's what I'll do. But, hey, if, if BYU win against Oklahoma, I'll be so stoked. That will do, You'll do the it. win against Oklahoma, a highly ranked team, a team that's what, top seven at one point. Yeah. A, a win against this team at home will do so much for the community. So much for the fans. It's gonna be a packed. It's gonna be a packed house. I believe the weather is gonna be good. Um, a win like that, people don't understand how quickly they forget about the last three games when you have a win like that. And then people start to believe that wait, just because you had three bad games doesn't mean you can't go and and, and ball out the next game. Just because our recruiting class wasn't the best doesn't mean we still can't have a great season. The culture for next season is created in these next two to three games. It is because if if, if I, 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 one of the prompts and one of the questions was. Should we just focus on next year right now? If you start focusing on next year right now, the culture is the second bad things happen, we just fold. Yeah. And so letting a team like Oklahoma come into BYU, a place that's tough to play, and a big win like this with, I'm telling you, tons of energy. They need to let me on the freaking sideline, by the way. Every game, I'll, I'm going crazy. But with that type of energy, a big win, people forget about the past, and people say when bad things happen at BYU, we still find ways to beat good teams. That changes next year's culture. Yeah. So next year's culture starts right freaking now. Mm, I love you know that. I mean? It yes, does. I love it. Let's end with that. that. That is such a fantastic note to end on. Thank you so much, guys, for coming here with me. And that does it for us today. Thanks again to Mitch Matthews and Johnny Linehan for coming on the show with me. Carter Bond and Tori Kimball helped produce this episode with senior producer Cleon Wall. You can join the Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYURadio.org. Cougar Tailgate is a production of BYU Radio. BYU Radio.